spoiler alert. Oh, fuck! This is the only fucking podcast about the Sopranos. So what, no fucking ZD now? This week on No Fucking ZD, we're talking about my groin and balls, that asshole in the snack shop, and uh, I forgot what we were talking about. What was it? Oh right, it's an all new episode of No Fucking ZD. Totally honest with you. If there's, if it sounds strange, if the whole podcast sounds strange and sort of like choked a little bit, it's because it's freezing in New York City right now. Yeah, and, and also we're locked in a big meat freezer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. No, but that's we're trying to. We're we're going method with the podcast. Big we're time. actually yeah. doing it from a butcher shop. Yeah. We're both <laughs> literally sitting here, arms crossed, shivering. Yeah, yeah. And no, no, it's like it's like we're trying to go method, like Jim Carrey and Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like we're just being really annoying to everyone that we're around, pretending to be email Koloff. Right, yeah. Like <laughs> the director keeps asking us to talk to us directly and yeah. we're just like we don't know those people. Sorry. Yeah. And by the way, we're uh we're Brendan and Evan. I realize we haven't introduced ourselves in like 40 episodes. Oh, is <laughs> so, that true? Probably, yeah. You know what else is interesting is that the last two episodes like we're talking about the weather, but on the last two episodes we were kind of talking about like the quasi Indian summer that we had in New York City yeah. and the to the uh to the uh the to the attentive listener, you may have realized that we recorded those episodes like in September. Yeah, a long time ago. And like I listened to the latest one this week and it's like, yeah, it's not that cold yet. And yeah. it wasn't. No. Like people might think that we were talking about the kind of easy, gentle kind of push into winter that we had. But now No, not at all. Now we're recording so it's New Year's Eve mm-hmm. and it's it is freezing. So it's currently freezing and when this comes out in June. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You'll know that <laughs> we recorded this one. Yeah, you know that re- you'll know that we recorded it in advance. Yeah, you know? Exactly. We're like we're like great artists, you know. We mm-hmm. we really drag our feet. We go back to the podcast gods for more money and really hassle them, but yeah. the, the product is like worth it. <laughs> yeah. And not suffering at all. No. Not at all. We're suffering. <laughs> still, yeah. The quality is still tip top shape. Um, um yeah, we're back. Um yeah. uh, hope you guys had a nice little holiday. Um, Hanukkah, Christmas, yeah. whatever. By the way, we can finally say Christmas again. Um so I'm pretty excited about that. There's just a moratorium on saying the word Christmas for the last eight years, but now we can just say it. Right. Just FYI. We're just saying it. Yeah. That's uh, what we do. We walked we, we walked into Starbucks and said Christmas a million times. Yeah. And we, we threw the cups back and we were like, fuck this. Exactly. Fuck happy holidays. Fuck happy holidays. Yeah. Um, exactly. And like when I have kids, I'm going to flip out on everyone if they don't use the word Christmas. Oh, totally. For the Christmas vacation. Well, hopefully at that point, the war on Christmas is over. Yeah. And we have survived. I Actually, think. not a lot of people know this, but the war on Christmas is the longest running war in American history. A lot of people think it's the Iraq yeah. war, but it's not. The war on Christmas with no end in sight. No end in really. sight, really. Yeah. yeah. So. Administration after administration, yeah. they just they say they're going to get us out, but none <laughs> but of them have the stones to do it. The, it's like yeah, boots on the ground still in this <laughs> yeah. war on Christmas. Well, it just know, won't the, go away. The problem is once you topple a Christmas regime, mm-hmm. you know you got to put you got to put something in there. Right. You know what I mean? And the problem is that like a lot of these Starbucks types, you know, the war on Christmas types, they they don't have the tools to run a society, right? 
So there's a power vacuum, and, yeah, uh, exactly. and so the holidays fight, and uh, and that's just what happens. <laughs> the war on Christmas created ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I didn't want to say it, but well, the cat's out of the bag now. Well, Happy New Year. I, I'm, I'm so excited to be back in the saddle in the new year. All of this holiday, like, like kind of rushed bullshit is out of the way mm-hmm. and now we can focus on season six exactly and shit's getting so real i mean the first couple episodes of the season were really real but but now we're kind of we're setting up a lot of stuff there's we a are. lot of stuff yeah um yeah by the end of this episode we're out of the woods or tony's out of the out of the woods out of out of the coma or i guess maybe not a coma according to david chase who really knows you know, a, uh, he he he, he he attends a family reunion mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in in all senses, right? Um, so yeah, we're we're getting past this little chunk of episodes, and and we'll be more in the in the real world next yeah. week and from here on. Um, so for those of you who hated the coma sequences, which a lot of people seem to have, it's not a coma; it's a well, retirement community, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but we're almost out. Um, and I should also say I've been watching, I was telling Evan before we started recording, I've been lo- watching a lot of the new Twin Peaks. And so I might confuse the two shows yeah. right now because actually they're eerily similar. If you uh, have been watching, if you watched uh, this past summer, the new Twin Peaks season. I haven't, but spoiler alert. Well, there's a main character who's also stuck in a different kind of world. We don't really know what it is exactly because it's Twin Peaks. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, it's, yeah, they're very apparent in these episodes how Twin Peaks inspired the show was. You know, I've also been watching a show that has kind of weird parallels to Sopranos. It's called The Great British Bake Off. Yes. And right. as you get through like the you know the first season is what it is, but like as you get through the second season, you know, you start to realize these parallels and like it's like the writing is just brilliant. Right. And right. um you know, some of these people are basically like trying to deal with like making a souffle. Mhm. But some of them are subpar and, you know, there there's actually like a mob boss type person who comes in and says, you know, frankly, like this souffle makes me <laughs> depressed and ashamed. <laughs> there's like a whole mob crew that comes in, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Actually, you know, what is more like the Sopranos is Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. Probably. He starts screaming, at, screaming at everyone. He's that like, Ramsay rage. You were like a pig. <laughs> That's some good Hulu shit. Like if yeah. you're scraping the bottom on Hulu, go and watch some of the old Kitchen Nightmares episodes because... Like in the second, as he became more of a celebrity, they'd send him to like Michelin star restaurants to help them. But at the beginning he was going to like Poughkeepsie, New York to help some like strip mall Italian place that like didn't have an understanding of like food safety. (laughs) (laughs) And he just screams at everybody. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Gordon Ramsay. I love Gordan Ramsay. Me too. I followed a couple of his recipes in my life and my time here. He's hilarious. And, yeah, he's great. But like also that's like sort of a character in a way, right? I mean, because I've seen other videos where he's like super chill yeah. and just helpful and <laughs> just, funny. Yeah, helpful. And, yeah. yeah. That's all he wants to do is just help. I want to do, he has a cooking class online and like I saw a little preview of it and he kind of talks the same, but he's like really supportive and, mm-hmm. and nice and like, like, right, knife skills. Right. The fundamentals are so important. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, I want to. This is great. Yeah, it'd be awesome yeah. to hang out. Gordon, we know you listen. <laughs> yeah. um, we've seen you like a couple, a couple of our tweets. So uh, yeah, come it, on in. That's true, actually. Come on the show. Yeah. Um, um, season, so, season six. Season six, mayhem. Can I point something out? I didn't bring this up earlier, but I've realized this, and I think that now is a good time, as good a time as ever to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But we've got these two things that Tony mentions as far as... Um, as far as possible endings to his story mm-hmm. dead or in the can, right. right? That's sort of, you know, he admits it to Melfi at some point, but that's essentially the, the, the well-known truth. Right. Um, season six, a and six B start with 
with both of those things. Yeah, they do. So 6A starts with him dead, almost. Mm -hmm. And then 6B starts with him uh, in the can, almost. And uh, that's that's my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Great, perfect. Happy New Year, guys. We'll see you next year. Yeah, Um, thanks for nothing. It does, yeah. And I feel like part of that is that this is, you know, it's the final season um, and this is really his final chance to maybe redeem himself in some way. Of course he won't because he's Tony and that's his nature. And he almost does. He like, he, he almost, he, does. He, he likes, he comes eerily close to like learning a, a thing or two. Something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, I, like, no. I, we'll have to keep watching cause I kind of forget some of these episodes, but I think he does learn something and takes something with him. Like, especially when he gets to Vegas, yeah, um, yeah, next yeah. next season six B or whatever, because that that whole thing is like a nice like flip side of this coma experience where he goes and yeah. actually meets like monks and you know like there's like a religious kind of aspect to it, a spiritual yeah. aspect to it of like redeeming yourself or like maybe he's in purgatory about to go to heaven, but then Vegas he's just straight up in hell and like walks into the casino and sees like a devil graphic and yep. so they're kind of like good sister episodes in a way. Totally. And we all and, have good sisters. And also <laughs> good sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in terms of uh, like the overall vibe mm. when he's in Costa Mesa, he's like much more pennant. He like wants to, you know, he wants, he's trying to be above board with the monks. He's right. kind of a victim. He seems like sort of a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Like a nice sort of regular guy. Right. Um, but the thing is that the the Vegas episode, it's just like purely the opposite. He's yeah. just like, it's it's 100% indulgent of his like satanic side. Yeah, all based instincts. And, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's very evil in a yeah, lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, both of them involve some sort of state or hallucination if you want to call it yeah, that yeah yeah uh interesting point interesting point yeah yep. um so we'll get we'll get to that at some point probably <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we are you can imagine what we talk about if we were on that episode right yeah, now exactly so, but we're not yeah, just, but we're almost there. there yeah it's warmer in vegas so it, can we yeah, talk about that episode leave that um so let's start with we'll, we'll do the real world stuff first yeah which is basically we need a, some of that a, a comedic episode of the sopranos we have like this one yeah. episode in here that's a, a comedy straight comedy and uh even like a physical comedy in a lot of ways i love hearing paulie say my fucking balls over and over my again fucking balls. um and his testes he's gonna keep the testes up and he says know? he's a doctor says i need an ultrasound of my groin and balls <laughs> Um, How do you ultrasound your groin without your balls? Like, why? I think he just likes saying balls. Yeah, probably. He's not going to say pelvic area. Unless he has some weird shit going on down well, there. I guess you like never really know. separate. I mean, he did win the chin-ups cup three weeks in a row. That's true. So. That's true. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then, of course, the coma stuff and the family drama and, and Carmela, which we'll, we'll get to that, too. Yeah. Um, so I guess with the mafia stuff, uh, what we're seeing is that, you know, I mean, if it wasn't clear to you when Tony was kind of, you know, conscious and running mm-hmm. everything, it's, it seems abundantly clear to me while he's under the weather that he's a really good boss yeah, and that not everybody can do that job. Right. You know, cause yeah. still like basically dies yeah, <laughs> from, the, from the pressure. He right. can't handle it for our sins. He does. Yeah. yeah. For our sins. But like the whole thing with Vito and Polly, like, like it's sort of business as usual, but every it's sort of, everything sort of f- seems to be fraying a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like, right. People are kind of fucking each other over. There's not. There's not a lot of order. We we've never seen Bobby get into it with someone about something like this. Yeah, like that. Yeah, but he's got a newborn now and kids in private school, so he's that's uh, true. You know, yeah. But he's, he's got his wife leaning on him too, probably. Uh, true. Actually, I didn't think about that. But Janice, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. Like sixty percent of the stuff coming out of Bobby's mouth is actually something Janice said to him the night before, and he's probably kind of messing it up a little bit as he says it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> we can sort well, of yeah, imagine. Why, but now that I think about it, why else would he show up to Sill's house at like? 
9 p.m. Yeah. Other than the fact that, like, <laughs> that Janice was, like, fucking, like, tearing him a new asshole. Right. Yeah. Can and you imagine him like, going home go, after that? Go over there right now. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets home and he's like, I talked to him. And she's like, so what happened? And, and, and he's like, he'll think about it. And she's like, that's not what I meant. Go back there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. So what's happening there exactly is that, well, first of all, there's the Colombian heist at the beginning right, or the, right, the right, drug right, right. heist um, with Polly and some other no-name guy who we've maybe seen in the background, I guess, but not too much. Right. Um, Polly gets the tip from one of Vito's guys to go rob them, right? And then yep. shows up. Yep. It's mayhem. It's um, mayhem, which is one of the great malapropisms of yeah. our day. Supposed to be empty, and there's multiple people there. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people counting a lot of cash with very loud music. Yeah, yeah. And he walks away with a, like a million dollars and some drugs. Are there? There's drugs in the in the dishwasher, I think. Right? I, I don't I feel know. Like I saw I, some it, stuff. It looked like up. mostly money. Mostly money. That might be like the like the like in the wire. They didn't keep a lot of drugs at the strip club. Right. So maybe maybe this is like the money counting room. Right. right. Um. But like. I love that scene. It's like, it's so needed in that moment yeah. because, you know, especially for all the fucking whiners and complainers, like the, uh, as far as like the Kevin Finnerty stuff is going. Yeah. Like, I think it, it's, this is something everyone can agree on that this like gave the whole, the whole sort of season as it has been so far, like a real shot in the arm. Totally. Like the loud music. It's like one of the bloodiest scenes yeah, in the is. whole series. You're getting shot in the neck and it's just like spurting everywhere. And, and then when they're yeah. going through the, the fucking place, there's just like blood, like sprayed all over the cabinets and all that shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone once on Twitter sent us a gif of Polly running down the hallway chasing that guy and it's just like, imagine you're about to die and this is what you see. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. I, and I couldn't help but think about that this time around that Polly while that's running at you is really like terrifying and funny at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, 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 and Polly is tough as fuck, man. Yeah. That other guy who must be way younger than him, but not in as good of shape. Mm -hmm. Um, didn't win the chin up contest. Didn't win the chin up cup yeah. three times. Yeah. I mean, I, from what I understand. But Paulie fucking fights his ass off. He does. It's, yeah. I mean, he earns that Millie, you know? He does, yeah. His balls are in that Millie. Yeah. And then uh, I think lies about it later and says it was only 750000 or something like that. Price of doing business. Yeah, true. That's true. what Sil says about him. I, I also love that he's sitting on a million dollar heist and later in the episode he's cutting coupons for like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't know, like grocery store coupons, basically. Yeah. Um, what yeah. a cheap ass. It's yeah. fucking amazing. It's um, so yeah, I mean, that sets off a whole kind of chain because it's all about like whose money that really was and who should be kicking up to who there, right. you know, like, like I said, Vito tipped him off. So Vito feels like he's, he's owed something. Bobby feels like he's owed something from a, well, the Bobby Sports, thing is separate. The Bobby thing is separate it's between Eugene, him and Vito. Right. It's, it's something that junior ruled on earlier. Yeah. And gave to Eugene. Right. But then Eugene offed himself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so I guess that's when that's when uh, when Bobby moved in on the sports book in Roseville, right? And then, but since Eugene was with Vito, he thinks it should go to him. Mm -hmm. And but like, there's there's all this conflict because like this Colombian money, it's for one thing, it's a, a fuckload of money, and the other thing is that it, it it exposes the fact that like you know what happened in New York, like with the power vacuum and all of that stuff. Like it's really important tactically in the mafia for someone to really be firmly in control because otherwise people kind of start to cut corners on payments mm -hmm. and they're like, well, I don't really have to. And it's like, not that much, mm -hmm. you know, or it's not as much as you think it is that kind of thing. 
like the arguments between Vito and Polly are, are are fucking amazing, and mm-hmm. still has a hard time getting a handle on it. Yeah, he does on um, the toilet, <laughs> right from from the throne, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. I love that. Um, That's actually quite quite. Uh, uh, it's a beautiful <laughs> symbol. Something, you know. <laughs> Sorry, it's so cold in here. I forgot it's freezing, words. Yeah. By the way, he's drinking coffee on the toilet. I don't like mixing any kind of food situation or drink situation with people sitting on the toilet. And yeah. I just want to point that out. That's gross. Yeah. All ki- I mean, you do taste with your nose. You do. Like when you're eating food or drinking coffee or something like that. There's right. all kinds of wires getting crossed there. Yeah. I don't like that. But maybe the coffee is helping him kind of move it along a little bit. Yeah. You know? He seems to be having trouble, um, probably from the stress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, ultimately, without Tony there, there is no center, you know, and, and it does kind of start to like fray as you say i mean even yeah. Vito goes to phil from new york to kind of look for a backup there which it's is just a boning. huge no-no it's because they're boning well true maybe maybe i mean come on the <laughs> fuck were we talking about you know what i mean <laughs> right i mean hey maybe i didn't i didn't think about that this time around but that's uh, that's a theory that's out there you yeah. put it out there yeah exactly yeah. i i mean copyright evan you heard it here first folks yep um yeah but and then and then carmella is somehow drawn into this whole thing because right. of the fact that like you know first of all sill doesn't seem to be doing a great job of collecting on behalf of the skip you know yeah well he like tries in that one scene where he when Polly is sitting there like um you know cut, cutting his savings out of the, the little magazine there he says something yeah. like Polly I know who I'm dealing with here like yeah, it's yeah. gonna be late so he, he tries um but yeah no one really like respects the chain of command which of course right. you know they all talk they, all, they talk a big game about doing totally but totally push comes to shove um, you know, no one cares. No one does care. And like, they, they, they keep moving everything around. Like first mm-hmm. it was like, Syl was collecting on behalf of the skip. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then it's like, and then he's saying, just give it to Carmela, mm-hmm. which I feel like is also like the, <laughs> handing someone a manila envelope with like 200 K so, and, yeah. just, and she just like sets it down on the table. I know. You She's know, walking like, around the hospital with that kind of cash on her. Oh my God. I mean, I've said it in the past, like, like finding a bag that has like $5,000 in it would totally change my life right yeah, now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, mm, maybe that's not, I mean, but 200 grand, like, holy shit. Yeah. That's wild. so much money. And she kind of, she's like, mm, okay. She doesn't even care. <laughs> it's not about the money right now. You know, she has to worry about AJ. No, no. Who's, who's uh, growing up soprano. AJ is talking to the fake, failing fake news media, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know that they'll take words out of context. And I he, love that all that shit is on A&E. That's the other thing. Because <laughs> uh, on the TV on and the, the show. TV, oh, I yeah. didn't even notice that. Because like A&E doesn't really exist anymore. They changed it to something. Um, well, it exists, but it's like kind of bullshit it's now, kind of right? dead yeah i don't know because it used to does like, it exist actually i don't know i don't know yeah. but like um but tony <laughs> tony mentions a and e like way back when he's hanging out with coos and his buddies right and he's like you guys must watch a and e and then they have that shit on a and e which is great you know I didn't even make that connection that's great i know that's why i did it yeah um, i'm out here yeah, I, and, but I, I and there's there's great comedy in just the fact that they they don't want to pay Carmela, and then Vito and Polly completely panic when Tony comes out of the coma and like rush to Vito's house, and he's like just chomping down on baby carrots. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, and it's like now. It's like full on paranoia because he's yeah. like because Polly's whole. I mean, Polly's a good survivalist. You know, mm-hmm. he's made it through a lot of the stuff by the skin of his balls, mm-hmm. and like he he's. <laughs> 
the, his whole cooked up thing where he's like, he's, who knows what she was whispering to him while he was in that coma. <laughs> you could be expecting that money, <laughs> and it, which is just so absurd yeah. in its own way. True. You know what I mean? He's but, superstitious though. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, I do want to mention like when they actually do hand off the money and you know, that, that shot of Vito and, and Polly and the elevator door is closing where they yeah. both look kind of like super bummed out. Yeah. And, um, I, I can't tell if they're bummed out because they just handed over 200 K or because they mishandled the situation mm. and weren't above board. I think they didn't want to give up the money. And I mean, maybe that's part of it, but like, you know, I mean, Carmela bought it for a second at least until she turns back and sees him in the elevator and then like kind of puts it together. Yeah. She had that look on her face. Like it's so sweet how they take care of us because right. they love Tony. You know yeah. what I mean? But then she realizes, you know, I mean, it's kind of that yeah. thing she said at the beginning of season five where she's like, they're not your friends. They're, yeah. they're your lackeys. Well, and, and then, think, but, and then in, in a, in a future episode within another couple over here, she says to Tony, like, Vito is someone that he should keep his eye on in particular. Oh, true. Before yeah. he goes all Johnny cakes on us. Right. Um, right. True. But like, she doesn't mention Polly. So she still likes Polly. I yeah. guess she like gets it. Yeah, she does. But I, I think she's realizing that like, I think the whole story is kind of about how you, like their empathy only goes so far <laughs> once money's involved. It's just like, well, fuck that. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think she kind of realizes that. And she also says at some point to Melfi, she's like, I have plenty of people to talk to. But like, it's also kind of like, oh, she, she can't talk to Polly about what's going on, you know? Yeah. And like, Chrissy's the only uh, Chrissy and like and like her her um, immediate family are really the only ones I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Even then, I mean, she does end up talking to Melfi in the end. So I mean, she she felt like she had to go talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Chrissy, though, um, did you, I, we wrapped up that mob stuff basically? I think it's about money and it's about uh, and and still has his panic attack and still basically still, still just can't handle it. Oh, we should also mention though that um, Sill's wife. Mm-hmm. is uh gab mm-hmm. is, Maureen Van Zandt. she's starting to his real life wife yeah is actually she starts to lean on him about that stuff she starts to kind of get a whiff of that boss money right but i really respect sill in those scenes because he's like i oh, don't go there like he's like it's tempting to think basically saying it's tempting to think about that but like a it seems like he genuinely doesn't want it yeah and b it's one of those things where um i think that he's is he respecting the code of honor or is he just trying to keep a lid on his wife? Mm. But like, she's, she's kind of getting a whiff of that boss money that like, okay, well I need a new claw, you know, right. like that kind of thing. Right. Um, she wants a brown or something. A brown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. I just thought that was a really interesting sort of exchange where like, Sill and Gab seem like they have a reasonable relationship. They do, actually, yeah. Other than Sill, like, banging, like, his his strippers and, like, beating them up and all right, that stuff. Right, Um That old thing. That old thing. Yeah. But, like, she's kind of, she's she's sniffing around. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. And, and totally. That, and that's a common theme with all of it, like, because we also have that conversation between, you know, everybody kind of has their own piece of, like, well, you know, it could, it could be me. Yeah. Like, Sill doesn't really want it even though he's clearly the heir apparent right and then right. and then uh <laughs> but like that conversation between uh between Vito and um and uh Parisi yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Per, uh, uh uh yes Parisi Larry, is, Larry boy Larry boy yeah, yeah yeah it's with him and Larry boy that's right yeah and then when Tony comes out of the coma 
Um, oh, also, Vito is like tooting his own horn way too hard. He's like, oh. now without the weight, yeah. I'm a healthy man. I'm like, you're still like 200 pounds overweight. Yeah. Like, it's it's great. Yeah, it's great that you lost that weight, but like, still, bro, like, come on, right? And yeah, like, he's no, no shade to the actor. You know what I mean? Like, great job, but mm-hmm. like, he's walking around like he's fucking like Lance Armstrong or right. something. You know? Yeah. And like, so holier than thou about it. And then you know, but when Tony comes out of the coma, Larry Boy gives him that look, like, yeah. You know, yep and and i don't quite i can't put my finger on what that means but it's like it's sort of like a like see stupid don't talk like that you yeah. know like i guess like it's that Vito's or, is in his mouth a little bit yeah or just like oh, now you're fucked or something like that you know because again yeah. they don't really care about each other when you think about it they're co-workers and like how much do you really care about your co-workers yeah <laughs> you know? it's like, well, and, and think about it like if it was a regular thing for for co-workers or opponents to die like if if someone above you at your job died yeah and then you would level up somehow yeah um i mean i can't imagine what would happen if tony actually did die be i mean there would probably be some some war some kind of happening probably yeah yeah i would imagine i mean i guess like still would take over but there would be some of these younger guys fighting for it i don't know Vito might go to phil and and yep. set something up that puts him in and then of course that's good for phil you know i mean and then um, we've got two gay mafia bosses right yeah yep. which is just a different show altogether <laughs> that is actually <laughs> a different show altogether yeah, yeah. um yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to say, but yeah. I mean, without Tony there, it is kind of falling apart a little bit, um, and uh, and so yeah, we'll see now that he's back how they all handle it. Yeah, um, we, we we basically get a taste of, as I was saying, like sort of by I don't know which mathematical law this is, um, mm-hmm. but like you know, by inversion or whatever, we get a taste of ha- how firmly in control Tony actually is and how well he runs his family. Yeah. And even with the panic attacks. starts to fall apart without him. Yeah. And even with all his panic attacks and therapy, like he actually handles the stress better than anyone else seems to be able to. Yeah, exactly. Um, So quickly, we have to talk about the Cleaver little (laughs) Cleaver story (laughs) here. That's one of the best scenes. (laughs) Um, Because I kind of actually forgot that that was even in this episode. (laughs) It's great. It's in the background, but it's awesome. Um, So JT is back. Uh, I love how they just make fun of writers and the writers guild and and just like how just weird and fucking bizarre everyone in his class looks and how just full of himself he is it's such a nice like we are all hung up yeah it's such a nice we are all hung up (laughs) on our own hang up (laughs) he's he's the best there is it's brilliant um they took that character and like really made something out of him like they didn't have to do that no 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 they could have let him be it's surprising he came back at all but of course it makes sense um I love that scene with little Carmine and talking about the nine films under his subspecies and, <laughs> and everyone six, chiming in and six in the South Beach strumpet series alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's just saying it like, like he's fucking Harvey Weinstein. I mean, not in certain ways, but you know, yeah. you know, like he's fucking some like crazy mogul guy, right, you right, know? Right. And it's like, he's got like the wet t-shirt DVDs. <laughs> uh, 30,000 copies of each, by the way, in which print, is in print, which not is, sold. Yeah. Small potatoes. there, big time. Um, but great scene and, uh, everyone just pitching in and like Benny having a kind of good idea actually. And, and, uh, but they're getting so hung up on like how realistic it all is. Right. Which I love because like, like when, uh, when they're talking, what was it that they were talking about when Chris totally trashed it way back? He's like that fucking Guinea fest with Paul Sovino. That was totally unrealistic. <laughs> uh, Paul Sovino. He's in Goodfellas, but it can't be that. We weren't talking about Goodfellas. I forget which some, movie they some, were talking about, Yeah, but like. 
I, I just love how JT is pitching it. And he, he gives a kick-ass pitch. Yeah, He like knows what he's doing. The t- The title is great. And it is actually. I'll, I'll give little yeah. Carmine, um, I'll give little Carmine <laughs> some credit for for seeing that, right? Because Carmine ha- handles that meeting pretty well. He's like, in you know, if if I heard it correctly, a zombie of sorts, you know, like <laughs> he breaks it down pretty well. He, he comes to JT's aid. Yep. Um, but I just love all the shit that they get hung, hung up on, where like the pitch, like it doesn't matter how good the pitch was in a way because. They're like, this guy is called the butcher. And then, and then Sills like, no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> he I want to know that story. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, it's just, of course, there's a guy called the butcher. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, nope, nope. And Christopher's just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Hold on. We, yeah, we yeah, we'll figure that, that out. Like, yeah. good no- As we call it in, the, in our business, notes, good notes. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Carmine says. And, and, and Vito, like, kind of trying to weigh in a little bit. Yeah. And being like, but he's a ghost. He's just, cl- <laughs> like, they, it's, I love... The, the, there's so many layers to this scene where like like you said they're making fun of writers and like the writers guild and yep. all that stuff but also they're making fu- I feel like they're making fun of like producers big time like that's I think probably that's the what a pitch thing. yeah I mean pitch pitches go like that yeah. normally you know it's like I don't get it it's like this and you know but he's a ghost like, yeah it's like how clear could I possibly make this <laughs> yeah. but they're still like I don't know and Chris is there and he's like he's he's immediately defensive about it yeah and he's he's talking about and he's not a bad producer. Like this idea that he has of Saw meets Godfather Two is fucking pretty brilliant, actually. Yeah, actually, it could be some cool. Yeah. But he's like, he's spouting, he's like Ghostbusters, another fucking money machine. <laughs> like he's, and he's so defensive about it because it did not go as he like wanted it to go. Yeah. Very amateur, of course. There, very you know? amateur. You got to yeah. take the notes and like, like shake your head yes and be like, sure, sure, sure. We'll 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 make that change and then yeah. don't make that change, but kind of be like, yeah, we made that change and then people don't notice. That's yeah, how that's, that's how it goes. That's how that's how the, the that's how we we deal with our investors yeah, exactly. in the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but another thing that wouldn't have happened if Tony was conscious and and okay. I don't well, think you know. I mean, this is my question. Like he he's he's managed to take you know, his passion and his work and like push them together in a way that's above board in a lot of ways, because it's actually something that they're going to make money off of, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that, and that's the whole point of it. But before yeah. when he was like trying to write his script and stuff like that, it, I, I, Tony was really questioning his commitment in season one, but now right. it's like, could you really say the same thing? Do you really think Tony would, would be like, don't forget to make your stops and like focus on your fucking other work. Well, he'd have problems with the whole uh, boss fucking the fiance angle. Well, that you know? does happen. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I guess you're probably right. Like if, if someone like really laid out the financials for him and they were like, it's going to cost this much to make and like the profits could be this, you know, like yeah. they say like saw cost 400,000 and made a hundred million worldwide or whatever. Um, and that Chris, gets, might, Chris gets the Writers Guild health insurance. Don't forget about that. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, that might make him a little more open to it. But like, I think Tony's smart. I mean, well, we see later during the premiere that Tony's smart enough to kind of put together that there's like some this, this revenge porn idea for uh, for for Chris. Yeah. Well, he. I, I mean, we can get into it later, but he doesn't really see it until like Carmela and Roe pointed out to him. Oh, I guess that's true. But that's it's true. it's really obvious. And also, we should talk about the conversation that Chrissy has with Tony once he wakes up, when yeah. he's kind of in this like sort of vegetable state a right. little bit, where he's looking around. Great acting by yeah. by Gandolfini on that one. Yep. But you know what? What I forgot about was the fact that Chris, you know, Chris has pitched him about it and all this stuff, and he's being extra nice. And this is like the first time in a while he's visited the hospital. First of all, 
Christopher? Christopher, yeah. yeah. We, we don't see him in the hospital the whole episode, basically. Well, he's only there at the beginning to tell AJ not to shoot Junior. Yeah, he's not like, to fuck try your girlfriend more. To fuck your girlfriend <laughs> yeah. more and try to not buy a gun from that asshole in the snack shop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the fact that 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 AJ was trying to buy a gun from an asshole in a snack shop is like yeah. says so much yeah. about AJ. But what I was surprised about in that scene is that he kind of leans into Tony and says, I feel like you pretty much owe me, you know, because I came to Adriana first. Like if anybody heard that, yeah, especially Carmela, because she was I guess she was on her way in. She walks in like right after that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that shit is fucking crazy. And that's the yeah. first mention we get of that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we're going to get our, our memory lane later on in, in the season. And, well, yeah, with the Vipers. and yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, it's true, though. So I guess we kind of know how Chris feels about that now. It's like this uh, yeah. it's a, a way to get in the good graces of his boss and get what he wants, which yep. is just disturbing. And he hates <laughs> him. He he, he yeah. wants to fuck him over in his own way. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it in the episode when it happened, but that like the whole Adriana thing really is the end of any like possible loving relationship those two could have you know yeah. it's it's just it's over from this point on and you know much like a lot of the endings on the show it's like you don't notice the ending till it's already till it's too late yep. you know yep yep and they both don't realize that their relationship is just, it's just it has to be it's just too weird at that point i think you know well, i think that i think that chris kind of thinks that he can keep going with this stasis mm-hmm. and have these sort of fantasies of like revenge on tony or whatever um, and kind of like go his own way as far as the, the cleaver and all that stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, by the time we get to Kennedy and Heidi, Chris is like, is firmly the number two, you know, like he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's at really serious meetings and he's actually doing a good job of backing Tony up. Yeah. And he's, he's grown a lot, Yeah, but, but he's still going to have his issues with his chemistry set, you know? Yeah. But even then, like how much of that is Tony feeling guilty and just like bumping him up and how much of that, that is them like. I mean, we'll talk about this with the Vipers episode when they're both like holding on to this memory of what used to be there, but it's kind of gone at that point. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a relationship that's run its course, but neither of them want to really admit that. Well, it's something and, that everybody experiences like with old friends. And it's yeah. like, you know, like I, I go back home sometimes and I see old friends and you like try to do the same shit that you did when you were like in high school. Yeah, it's just not that's the last time you lived in the same city. And it just feels it's just like doesn't take yeah. you know it's like let's all admit this that, that was actually an onion article around thanksgiving i think where oh, it, was really? like, it was like plan for high school friends to get together like goes exactly as as planned or something like that but it was like really sarcastic <laughs> yeah. or like plan to recreate night from high school like works perfectly but yeah. it's like it never really does you know yeah, totally um, totally yeah so so yeah and, and with the juliana stuff coming up like yep. from here on out chris is just trying to get some kind of revenge on tony which is maybe not apparent the first time you watch it but like watching it now it's just it's right on the on the, it, on the level. It's right on the money. And then by the time his baby is getting baptized and we have that amazing shot that yep. kind of harkens back to, um, you know, that sequence from The Godfather. Godfather yeah. Um, you know, there's a look. Mm-hmm. A look. They know. They know. They, they know, don't know. But they don't yeah, know. Right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, all right. Let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about Kevin Finnerty. And... Um, and he the family reunion the family reunion and and all that fun stuff (laughs) my life was in that briefcase No fucking ZD is brought to you by my fucking balls. 
gusta cantarle al viento porque vuelan mis cantares y digo lo que yo siento. My favorite band is AWOL Nation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. This is actually my favorite band. <laughs> We got hacked. Um, the uh, that song is actually fitting. That's the song that's playing at the Finnerty family reunion. That's the one, right? Yeah. yeah. And the first line is, "I like the song of the wind." Oh, which corresponds to the OG boy saying. It does indeed. Yeah. So we're trying to get a little toastier. We got the space heater going. Brendan's <laughs> yep. wearing gloves. I'm wearing gloves and a scarf and a hat. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> NFZ weather report. I'd be wearing my giant jacket, but I think it would be too noisy, and I think I, we don't want to sacrifice the quality of the recording. Right. For right. Our personal comfort. We already fucked that up enough. Just yeah. Talking, exactly. So. We, we, we'll take everything we can get basically um so tony kevin finnerty what's it all mean what's it all about what is it all about Mm. so i feel like you have a theory sort of (laughs) sort of yeah me too all right i'm firmly in the sort of category yeah Yeah, same really (laughs) like i feel like i on the one hand i feel like it's very simple and straightforward but like maybe i why want to read into it more i'm not sure but yeah um, there's something to do with him being afraid. I think that part of him really knows that he is in this place where if he leaves Costa Mesa, mm-hmm. whatever that means, um, then he will be back in his like mafia life. Mm-hmm. I think he likes Kevin Finnerty. He likes who Kevin Finnerty is, Yeah, but he feels powerless to like be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he does wonder at one point if he actually is Kevin Finnerty. He's talking to the, to the, uh, the old barkeep at the Costa Mesa hotel. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, there is some confusion. And like we were saying on, in the last episode, I know David Chase had talked about how maybe just dying in general is kind of losing your identity. Um, that's a good point because, you know, even when he goes, when, when Tony slash Kevin Finnerty goes to see the monks, you know, they're all talking, um, uh, they laugh at him when he says like that's not who I really am or, or they laugh at him when he brings up this idea of identity and one of the monks says something like you know we're no different than that tree we'll all die someday and like we're really no different than that tree Yeah, yeah. Um, which is just kind of like I think sort of supposed to be about how I mean that's a fate for all of us and sure. so like as unique as we might all feel and as, as we all f- might feel like we're individuals really like we all kind of suffer the same fate in a way yeah, and completely. it doesn't make us any different than anyone else and so like is there really even you know a self at all it's also very David Lynchian <laughs> I have to say yeah totally you know I totally agree I mean I, one thing that struck me about it is is that you know he's got this idea of a family reunion mm-hmm. and uh, first of all the scene where Polly's yelling at him is fucking hilarious because yes. he's like slamming it's the first time you see Kevin Finnerty lose it yeah yeah um, and of course it's Polly of like, course of it's Polly like yammering away yeah yeah like no one can he's a perfect guy to talk to someone in a coma because yeah. he'll just keep going <laughs> it's like alright I'm out I'm up leave yeah. me alone <laughs> yeah. leave me the fuck alone please leave me alone. yeah but then like he he winds up going to this family reunion and there's definitely stuff going on in his self-conscious cause it's Steve Buscemi and you know, mm-hmm. Tony, uncle Al and a very Livia esque figure at the house, a very similar figure to that dream that he and, has yeah, that too, that yeah. really terrifying dream where he's there for the masoning job. Right. Yes. I think that he's, and he tells, he tells Steve, <laughs> I guess we'll call him Steve. Sure. Uh, he tells Steve, that he's, he, you know, he's like, I guess I'm afraid, you know, mm-hmm. to go back. 
I feel like he sort of knows that he's on the verge of going back to his actual life. And maybe, okay. maybe this whole situation has him kind of considering like, is this, is this better? You know what I mean? Do I want to, do I want to be there or should I just let go and die? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a welcoming house and, you know, everyone's happy to see him. He, he gets a little misty eyed in that last scene too. Like, yep, especially yep. after he sees the Livia figure, like, you know, they shine the bright lights on his face and he's about to start crying, you know? Yeah, so there's there, definitely tearing up. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. So you, so you you think like he kind of knows that he's about to just leave that world and go back to his own life or get, get his identity back in some way. I'm not saying it's totally conscious, mm -hmm. but I'm saying that like, I, I think that subconsciously there is something in there that's holding him back. And there's a sense of dread that he has mm -hmm. in terms of going back to his actual life, which is really tough. Yeah, totally. He's made it really hard for himself. And like, I feel like in some ways he feels like it would be simpler to just bag it and like, and like let go and yeah. go out that way. Maybe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause the monks also say like, there's this whole lawsuit thing going on now right. about selling like the, the improper heating system or something like that. Yeah. And they, they tell him that he has to take, <laughs> we ought to have a lawsuit about that. Right yeah. now, to be <laughs> Actually <honest>. true. <laughs> um, but they tell him that he has to take responsibility and he just says flat out like, I, well, I can't do that. You know, yeah, and then it yeah. cuts away from the scene. Um, so he's definitely like still kind of avoiding, uh, yeah, I guess like taking responsibility for his own life in some ways, you yeah. know, like knowing that, it, yeah, I guess if he goes back, he has to kind of face those things. Um, and you know, I've, after we did the last episode, I had to go and like do a little more like reading and stuff. So this isn't necessarily my theory. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, um, there's a lot kind of about how he's, he's getting this last chance to like redeem himself and, take responsibility for things and yep, he gets yep. diagnosed with having like these spots in his brain and these like terrible things in his brain or and the doctor diagnoses him with like, Alzheimer's quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and he has how he has to go home and talk to his doctor at home, which is probably Dr. Melfi, you know, in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, so he is kind of facing like some kind of, you know, um, I'm not even sure of the right word, but like some kind of like, penance i guess as you said earlier yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like sure he's sure either choosing to do that to do that or not and it seems like it's a really tough thing for tony soprano to do even though yeah somewhere in his subconscious here we see that he knows that he's causing a lot of his own problems he has some kind of problem in his in his head and doesn't want to face that maybe yeah completely yeah. I, I i i couldn't agree more and i think that he like i said i don't think he has his finger on it completely yeah but he does mention, I forget who he says it to. Um, he, but he mentions that, Oh no, he says it to <laughs> Phil Leotardo when Phil Leotardo has his heart attack after he whacks Vito mm -hmm. because he's really upset because they were lovers. Um, <laughs> and you know, Phil is having an issue and he talks to Phil and he appeals to him and he, he feels the only one as far as we know that he talks to, about this he says he says when i was in that coma i went somewhere mm. and i haven't told anyone about this but and then he kind of cuts away from it and he's like but what's important is that we like you know we realize what's important in life you know and yeah, all that stuff yeah. and i think he knows more about it than like the show lets on in a lot of ways i think he holds it he he's holding it tight mm -hmm. also he's probably mentally kind of a little a little fuzzy <laughs> yeah know, coming out of a coma right but um, I think he knows more than than they let on in the, at that point. You know, it's it's not. I don't think it's as random as as meets the eye. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm not saying it's everything's a symbol for everything. Right. But it's just, I think it's a concept that they sort of had fun with and that there's this sense of dread of, you know, he's like dipping into another type of lifestyle and there's this sense of dread of going back to his because his life is fucking exhausting, you know? Yeah, and, it is. And he like spends a lot of his time either stressed out or terrified or both. And right. like, that's a tough thing to want to go back to. Yeah. Especially when you bring a lot of it on yourself and like your life choices and, yep, you know, I completely. mean, Carmela has that great scene with Melfi where she kind of talks about like, you know, being kind of complicit in this lifestyle and kind of knowing who Tony was and knowing that like a lot of these choices that he's made cause quite a bit of unhappiness, not just for him, but like everyone around him. Right, right. You know, I mean, it's tough to, it's the same thing that we've talked about a million times, but like it's tough to change when you're just kind of set in your ways. Totally. Even when you know that like whatever you're doing is is causing you quite a bit of emotional strife, you know? And, 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 and like psychic strife, you know? Right. Like, because... Tony seems to just sort of like disregard the idea of, of um, spirituality mm-hmm. and like the, his cosmic effect on the world mm-hmm. and that he might one day have to like, have to, uh, he might one day have to sort of own up to that stuff. Yeah. Like atone for his sins basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. On the way into the afterlife or something, you know, it's like, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, but the whole, like the entire series and basically his entire life, he just sort of ignores that. I mean, it's this ridiculous sort of like, you know, double standard that, that he has for the entire world where Mm -hmm. like he's religious. He's like, I'm a strict Catholic, you know, Mm -hmm. and and all of this stuff. But like, he kind of doesn't give a shit and he only plays by the rules that like really suit him. Yeah. And that's the way that everybody operates, you know, yeah, like, totally. like, like Phil Leotardo's wife is a really good example of that. Like she knows how her life is funded, but she like, is like, she's like a fucking nun. She's like really, really hardcore about religious stuff. And she mm-hmm. really gets into it when they find out Vito's gay, but mm-hmm. like on what spectrum is like being a murderer worse than like someone being homosexual, you right. know, it like makes no, it makes no sense except in the fact that it, it's just completely self-serving yeah. and they're choosing to enforce certain rules when it suits them. You yeah. know, it's just like self-justification. Yeah. But when you're looking, when you, but, but when you're looking down the barrel at the afterlife, it's got, I mean, even just in everyday life, it's gotta be something that weighs on him. Like, what does all of this mean? You right, know what I yeah. mean? Like in the way that he spent his life just kind of indulging his basic instincts. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. Taking the easy way out, like coach Marinara says, and you yeah, know, yeah. like, I mean, that's really what he's done. Anytime he's really brushed up against this, even in therapy with Melfi, he's kind of found a way to justify it or found a way to, yeah, use his own rules to just say, Oh, I'm, but I'm one of the good guys. I know I do some bad things, but I'm a soldier, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, yeah. And, and he, he has this false, re- false, uh, equivalency with like other stuff going on where he's like watching stuff about general Patton mm-hmm. and like, you know, that that's just to jerk himself off, you yeah. know? And it's just one of those things where he, he, I think that in this whole Kevin Finnerty thing, he's actually kind of seeing it more for what it is. And mm-hmm. he has this kind of wave of emotion about like, he's seeing the big picture of like how he's spent his life and he doesn't know if he wants to go back because it's hard, you know? Yeah, totally. It would be really, I mean, you know, we say, we joke all the time about how like, yeah, it would be really cool to like go out tonight and find a way to make, you know, 80 grand. Yeah. But like, it would. but that's, but the, you, you pay in different ways for that. And he's been doing it his entire life and he's finally seeing it in, in this abstract sense where like, I don't know if he thinks it's worth it anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Because he's also realizing like, 
I could be sort of like a stress-free dude with a cool family and make 250 or $300,000 a year mm -hmm. if I like tried, if I put this much time into like having a fucking career mm -hmm. and didn't just like take the easy way out. And now like, what does he have to show for it? It's like a lot of stress, mm -hmm. people around him who don't necessarily care about him. And like this sort of this, this questionable, you know, the question of eternity, I suppose, yeah, you from know, now on. I yeah. mean, he's, he's staring down the barrel from now on exactly. and kind of thinking about like, Oh shit, you know, th there might be some, you know, like I said, like psychic consequences or cosmic consequences yep, or yep. whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's that. And then also, like you said, I mean, it's, it's, um, learning to maybe sort of appreciate the simple things. I mean, I think the last line of, the, of this episode is Carmelo giving him chapstick. Yeah. Yeah. And just saying like, that must feel good. The simple things, you know? Yeah. And I think when you go through something like that, you really do start to think about those really simple things that, you know, I mean, I think yeah. somehow it ties into that OG way saying, which even that I think is a little, is, is pretty heady and, and tough to totally decipher. Yeah, yeah. But it is kind of, you know, we all sort of do go through life, like feeling like really bad for ourselves, feeling that all the experiences we have are really unique and like we suffer in a really unique way. Yep. But, but meanwhile, meanwhile, you're taking these really simple things for granted. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we'll see that play out over the next couple episodes. And I think over the whole like final season, I think that. Um, I mean, we're getting closer, so I'm like cool about talking more about the finale and stuff. But it's like, cool. I I do think that a lot of this final season and the finale is sort of about how you know we're like blessed with this gift called life, but cursed with the knowledge that like, well, we're gonna die someday. someday yeah. we're gonna actually walk into that family reunion. Steve Buscemi is gonna take our briefcase away from us, um, which I imagine yeah. is what the real afterlife is like. I, I hope. hope. Yeah, I, I hope. I would give anything for Steve Buscemi to be there. Yeah, <laughs> on the other frankly. side. Um, but yeah, so you're cursed with that, that knowledge that like, well, this is all going to end someday. Yep. And so if you, when you really think about that, you kind of do appreciate just like literally stopping and smelling the roses as cliche as it sounds. Yep, yep. But most of the time we spend it worrying about like, you know, how much money am I going to make yeah, next 100, year? 100,000 versus 80,000. Like that's obviously a lot of money both ways, but like, you know, that's such a in the a grand cosmic scheme of things, does that really make a difference? Yes. You and I, I think you're totally right. And this, this actually ties in perfectly to what I think that the big question that the show asks, oops, let me say that one more time. What you're saying, it, 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 it <clears throat> bookends really well with sort of what I think about with the final set of seasons with six, a and B. And yeah. I think that the, I think that the show starts to ask questions, you know, because like, as we said, going way back, you know, every single season is like sort of a new layer to what this life is like. And mm -hmm. so the first season is very like shoot him up. Like, did you piss off junior by jacking his truck? Mm -hmm. We're not talking about any of that shit anymore. Yeah. But it's, it's what, what the show starts to ask because it's at this advanced state in season six where like we've dealt with a lot of like the sort of comic book level issues of being a mafioso right you yeah. know there's a there's a lot that we know and rehashing that stuff doesn't make a ton of sense right but i think that one of the questions that the show really starts to dig into is like what what makes it worth it you know right yeah it was it all worth it i think tony really uh, honestly starts to question that because he's like spent his whole life either stressing out about stuff or being fearful or working his ass off mm -hmm. or trying to justify all of this horrific shit that he knows. I mean, he's no dummy. He knows mm -hmm. that he's doing bad stuff. Yeah, totally. But he's just desensitized to it in a lot of ways. But I think that he starts to really 
feel that idea of like, you know, what makes this worth it? And like, how far can I take this thing? Yeah. It's, it's like, is like, it all a big nothing? Yeah. What's the point of having an end game? Right. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what was, 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 was catching blowjobs and like having a big house with a pool and like being able to like eat whatever I want all the time. Cause I have a ton of money was, did that necessarily make all this worth it? Yeah. And I think the answer is not really. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, I guess like when you say it that way, it's kind of like, that's all the stuff that's maybe in the briefcase and like, sure. you can't take that briefcase ultimately with you, you know? Again, it's cliche. Yeah, he, says my whole, he says my whole life was in that briefcase. Yeah. And it really is. And, and so ultimately in the end, someone's going to take it away from you, um, you know, figuratively or like literally, you know, depending on what you think, but like, or so, what you do for a living. Or what you do for a living, yeah. <laughs> well, because like you, you can't you can't fit like a toolbox in the, you know. Well, like, right, yeah. Maybe a camera you could bring into heaven. Maybe but like, like a old like point and shoot cam or something. Yeah, but yeah. if you're like an auto mechanic, you can't bring your stuff. No. Sorry. No. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> Any of the mechanics out there, you guys are fucked. Ferris wheel we operators, could, you gotta find a new job that's yeah. smaller. We can fit these digital files into our briefcase and take them with us. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to NFC heaven. Yeah. I know that. I, I, I know that to be true. Yeah. Well, we're already there. We actually did die in the season premiere this year. We're still, right, we're still right. in the afterlife, you right. and I, right and this, now. This is the, uh, we're just doing this to pay for, this is like when the Who reunited because Roger Daltrey ne- needed money. Right. You know, this is like, this is like that so that our kids can go to college because this podcast is like worth millions. I mean, ultimately, know? yeah. And all yeah. we had to do was squeeze out another season and like our whole family, like generations of McCarthy's and Sutton's set. would be like set for life. Yeah, forever. Yeah. For yeah. That sweet, sweet podcast money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it is kind of about like staring down the barrel of eternity. There's a lot of talk of just legacy in general in this final season. And yep. like, what happens when I'm gone? Who's going to take care of this? Who's going to take care of that? And like, ultimately, right. you know, Paulie will, I guess, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he'll never, he's like the Keith Richards of Sopranos, yeah. you know, he just like won't die, but he lives like the most dangerous life. Yeah. It makes no sense. Um, but yeah, I do think that that is really over the next couple episodes. I mean, you know, my favorite line from the show is that, that like, I know every day is a gift, but does it have to be a pair of socks? It's yeah. kind of like dealing with that, that, that general feeling where it's like, I know I'm supposed to appreciate all of this however it's like isn't there something more and it's like well what if there's not yeah. you know what well, if there and, just and isn't that, and that there's the spiritual aspect of that but also if you break it down like everyone ha- i mean i was never the kid who got like an xbox for christmas you mm-hmm. know my parents just like a weren't privy to, to that like level of cool and mm-hmm. also just like they didn't value any of that so i'd get i'd get books i'd get you know stuff like that and it's and every now and then I'd get a really big gift, but I also had friends who always got like the crazy shit. Mm-hmm. They'd get like like I had a friend who for Hanukkah like the first night would get like a PS4. Damn. Or or I guess this was like twenty years ago, so you get like a PS1. Right. For Hanukkah and um, back then it was called PlayStation. Right. Yeah. So he'd get a PlayStation, <laughs> and then like every night he'd get like four games for it or something like that. Wow. But he just like didn't give a shit about it that much, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like the more you have, and I see it all the time with with artists who make time to go into like a giant fancy studio, mm-hmm. and they just really don't know what to do because like because you get desensitized to having it all. Yeah. And I think that that, and that goes back to what I was saying about like the idea, like, yeah, if you get a pair of socks every year, it's a little bit boring, but like anything can become boring. Yeah. You know, like, do you, like, are you going to get a Nintendo 64 or what it was it? 2018? Are you going to get a PS4 or whatever, like every night of the week? You know right, what I mean? Right, right. It, does it, does it, does any of it matter anymore? Not, no, it's actually, it makes you realize that it's all the in between shit. Right. 
and yeah and what you do with that and yeah yeah i mean that's that's it they they talk about that explicitly next season when carlo mentions a, a twilight zone episode about this guy rocky sullivan who goes to like yep. the good place and everything's great he wins every hand at cards and every woman wants him um but any heaven every he, single day will turn into hell eventually well he's, and, bored, he's bored out of his mind and in the right. twilight zone episode he he finds out he thinks he's in heaven at the beginning and then he's not but yeah. he finds out that he's actually in hell yeah um and I think that that's precisely what we're dealing with with Tony. Yeah. And to and to bring it all back to the the Kevin Finnerty sort of Co- Costa Mesa world, I don't think it's on the nose at all. But I, but it, but it definitely smacks uh, for me of him sort of having a subconscious realization that that's what he's built his life into, mm-hmm. and that all his decisions were wrong because he focused on nothing that was actually important. Mm-hmm. You know, he basically doesn't have real friends. Um, he has a family that is, that is fine, but like, he's basically like entrapped his wife Mm -hmm. into, into staying with him. And even so, like, how could you feel good about it? If like, you know, how could you feel good about that marriage on, on like a long-term abstract level? You know what I mean? It's like, if I could go back in time to like right before the Beatles broke and like have all of their tunes, like, would that feel good? Not really, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like that's how he lives his life is that like he, he has a button he can push to have anything he wants, but it's like none of the important shit. Right. And now he's sort of starting to get that because I think he got a taste of a life that is not only less stressful, mm-hmm. but also, um, but also subject to some of the same issues, you know, I mean, it doesn't escape me that you know, Kevin Finnerty is getting Alzheimer's and Junior is going going wacko a little right. bit. Somewhere that's connected somehow. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's, it, but the thing is that it doesn't matter if you're powerful or not. Like the world catches up to you and we all, right. we, one day we'll all be like that tree. You know right. what I mean? And I think that he's like, oh shit, I focused on all of the wrong stuff. Yeah. And in the end, was it worth it? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we spend the rest of the series, I think, pondering whether or not it's worth it. And I think he goes back and forth in a lot of ways, but I think in the end he realizes that he's stuck and that it doesn't matter if it was worth it or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it ultimately does. It just comes down to, you know, again, it's like, so we kind of know our ultimate fate. Like, what do we do in that time in between? Are you just kind of like a lazy shit like Tony or do you, uh, actually try to make something of yourself and yeah. or do you take the easy way out, you know? Well, and, it's and, like, and, and what is making something of yourself? Because like these guys all, like drank the Kool-Aid and they're like, you know, they're kind of taking the advice of the world and, 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 and spinning it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they're telling themselves like, this is a really good decision because this is the culture I come from. Mm-hmm. And like, they're using that as an, as an excuse to just indulge constantly. Yeah. Right. Um, and th- yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's kind of heavy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is like, this is very cheesy. I'm just going to say it though. Like you mentioned the whole dead in the can, dead or in the can uh, outcome, but right. kind of like you said, I mean, like really we all, those are the two outcomes for all of us. It's not really like just mob related, you know, like we either, I mean, most, we all, most of us at least, except for us end up dead. Um, <laughs> we will but then also a lot of people end podcast. up in like prisons of their own making to quote, the great creed um yeah yep. <laughs> our own prisons our own prisons <laughs> i actually think creed is the key to the final sopranos season <laughs> now, what's this life for and my own prison are the two keys christian <laughs> life baby 
Um, all right. Well, we got to wrap up. Um, we didn't really mention Carmela specifically too much, but she has that great, great scene where she kind of talks about like how complicit her and the kids are in this whole thing. And when she talks to Melfi, when she talks to Melfi, yeah, yeah. which is true. And, and another extension of like all the decisions that Tony has made, you know, because they do spiral out. Right. And he is still this kind of like black hole just sucking everyone down with him, you know, and right. Com- and but completely. what we, we, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very apparent now that like Carmela as much as much as she doesn't want to admit it was very complicit in that as well. And now the kids are too completely. And, but also, you know, the other thing to remember is that this, this whole coma and this, you know, what, what's happened over the first three episodes of this season, Mm -hmm. I think galvanizes everybody in their role in a lot of ways, because they, they get to the point where, you know, when something like this happens, it shocks your system. And, you know, Tony, we'll we'll talk a lot about the effect that it has on Tony in terms of his outlook on life and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think with Carmela, with this session that she has with Melfi, it's really interesting because she is more real about her life than she has been. But she's also like, yeah, that's the decision I made, and that, yeah. and and that's that. And she like seems less penitent about it than when she's kind of spilling her guts in the past. So and that, I, like spe- specifically the Jewish therapist. Specifically the Jewish yeah. therapist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think that like for a lot of these characters, um, it, 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 it sort of, specifically Tony and Carmela, mm-hmm. it kind of galvanizes them in their paths where they find a way to use this, this shooting scare as a way to justify continuing to be set in their ways you mm-hmm. know Car- ultimately yeah carmella with the waterworks and all that stuff like she's basically a prisoner of tony's <clears throat> yeah otherwise she you know if she divorced him she'd had she'd have nothing um so she's basically being held hostage but this shooting gives her an excuse to justify her own stockholm syndrome essentially yeah, yeah. i'm not saying it's not real that when she's like really upset about it like what with the american girl and the so hot down there and the whatnot Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like (laughs) it is one of those things where like if you're feeling that emotional about something then there is a way in which you can use that to sort of just when you're feeling that vulnerable you can use that in a way to like justify things that might be difficult if something like that hadn't happened and like knocked you on your ass totally yeah yeah and ultimately do you learn something from it or not we'll see but they kind of don't no Um, well they're stuck they are stuck definitely yeah they've created their own prisons um all right so we got a couple questions this week um let's see what do we have here um this is from at josh weinstein he's wondering what our favorite sopranos food is sausage and peppers shrigadel johnny cakes what what do you want to try the most out of all haven't we answered this one before we might have um everyone's very food obsessed i gotta say you know I, i think it changes season to season i think that more recently, the way that Carmela describes uh, going down has she has AJ go down to the deli and get. I thought you were going they, someplace way different when you said going no, down. No, no. <laughs> uh, when, when she when she has AJ go, uh, go over to the to to the deli to get bagels. And the way she says an assortment mm-hmm. just makes my mouth water. <laughs> so I got to say the assortment of bagels. Yeah. Currently. I want to try that. Whatever, whichever sandwich Asian Harris is having in uh, last episode. I just want to try that. Oh he's, yeah. He's that's talking so, be so a, much about it. A satriol. Is it a veal parm? Maybe. Oh, I do want to try that from, uh, from Beasley's place. Also. Probably great. Also, I got to say, jumping ahead a little bit, Da Giovanni. Oh, true. <laughs> the sound, like the, true. the, the, the 
the actually I stole one of my favorite sort of pasta preparations from that. Oh really? When uh Carmela's describing like the the lamb ragu with just a scoop of cold regat. Oh Jesus. That's a that's a that's a fucking ballin' decadent move. That sounds fucking great. It works really well. And like the gnocchi, how it's all mouth like the way Tony even Tony was like, Oh, god damn it. <laughs> like that shit, I really want to try Giovanni's lamb ragu. Yeah. I would applaud him on the way out too. Yeah. I, and yeah. I would I, I'm sorry, like no shade to Artie, but I would fucking take that shit way over uh artie's rabbit yeah oh yeah, yeah. i've had rabbit it's really good rabbit is good and it's sustainable like, it's it is especially if you shoot it yourself yeah, right yeah. but, <laughs> but oh, oh one one other thing i was thinking uh off topic of the question was that like i feel like the only other character that would have worked in terms of this like yammering on and on like waking tony up from his coma other than Polly, and Polly was the perfect choice. He's yeah. the natural choice. I think the only other real choice would have been Artie. Is Artie? If, I agree if, if with Artie that. Artie was like talking on and on, or like brought in a plate of something that smelled really good. Yeah, <laughs> brought, brought, <laughs> they should have done that. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. <laughs> uh, all right, at Fraser Charlie wants to know what our New Year's Eve plans are. Should we just tell him the exact address of where we're going and that he can just show up? Yeah, you're around Charlie Frazier. Yeah, it's definitely it, it's 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yep, that's where we'll be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you want to tell it? Cause we have, we have kind of a special tradition in it and it, 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 it comes from the fact that we used to be 24 hour party people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as Tony does, we like reexamined our lives we did, and yeah, realized yeah. that like, <laughs> that's not always going to work for yep. us. <laughs> so we hang out at Brendan's apartment Yep, and we order Chinese food. Yep. Extra mustard. Always love that. Love the spicy Seriously, mustard. Don't, don't forget though. Okay. And every year I go home with like a, cause we order so much food and I've always gauged like whether or not I'm overeating from a Chinese restaurant by how many sets of chopsticks they give me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> or fortune cookies. Or yeah. fortune cookie. Yeah, exactly. Order for it's two like, and six fortune like, cookies show up and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Instantly. It's just like, feel so, so judged yeah. by the lady. Um, but, uh, we, we order Chinese food and we eat it and I get my, my, my surplus of packet mustard for the year. I always go home mm-hmm. with that. And, um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and I just ran out, so it's good that Perfect. it's New Year's. Um, and then what we, what we like to do, and this is a fun game. And f- sometimes we do this on Passover, uh, cause Brendan and I often attend a Seder together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an NFZ themed Seder, obviously. Yeah. Um, but basically we, we like to put on one of the Fast and Furious movies yep. and we, but we have it on mute. And we take turns picking songs to soundtrack it, yeah. like via Spotify. Yeah, like "Time of Your Life" by Green Day. So Time like, of Your Life. That was the that winner. Was the best one. I, I think that was you. And and it was like during a chase, and like yeah. right when right when it went to like the string section part was when they hit that like ubiquitous like somehow th- those movies are brilliant because they managed to make a chase Same scene. One. They, they managed to make a chase scene like exciting. And all and scary, but then also like there's somehow like romance in the chase scenes. Yeah, always. And like so, there was the, one of the chase scenes, and I forget which 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 movie we were watching, but like there was one where like right when the string section hit from Time of Your Life, Michelle Rodriguez and and, and Vin <laughs> Diesel are both in midair, and it's like in slow mo, and they're looking looking at each other like I got you, baby, and like it was so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. That we said it to Kanye. Yeah. I think Closing Time by Semisonic we used. That for, was a good uh, one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Lots of Creed. There's always oh, oh, Everclear. Everclear. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's what we do is we we, we watch the Fast franchise. We're just really to... cool young people. Yeah. So, so that's what we do. Listen, New Year's Eve is it's amateur night, honestly. Also, uh, Ubers are really expensive in New York City. It sucks, yeah. and it's crazy. Um, we got a question. I mean, we've probably said this throughout our our time here, but um, at Queen Bufferton wants to know what um 
maybe this answer has changed, but what what other shows even come close to Sopranos level of stuff that you've seen since? As I mentioned, the Great British Baking Championship. Right, that's it. That's it. <laughs> the plot is just so deep. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mad Men, I guess. Mad Men for sure. Mad Men is an incredible character study. Uh, but like, I feel like Mad Men might have been even more difficult to pull off in the sense that I don't mean like, I don't mean altogether day to day, but I mean, it might have been more difficult to pull off in the sense that like, it's a topic that isn't as nearly as enticing at face value as the mafia. Yeah. I mean, there's no violence, there's which no is, violence. you know, not the, something like I need, but like yeah. certainly helps. It's just bringing it, the just like hot sex and racism and sexism. Yeah, right. And, uh, Mad Men's really good. Also, um, I mean, taking it way back, I got to say the twilight zone mm-hmm. is pretty incredible, but it doesn't have the same, like you don't watch it in the same way, obviously. Yeah, no. Yeah. There's really not a lot that like, I mean, of course like the wire and Deadwood, but there's really not a lot that like yeah. really captures like day to day life in the same way. I think that you're, you know? I think you're right. I think there are certainly movies that do it. Yeah. Cause I think that, I think that it's more apt to compare Sopranos to, to movies Yeah, in a lot of ways, like yeah. a lot of Hitchcock stuff. Hitchcock, like Coen Brothers, I guess. And I mean, yeah, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Goodfellas and stuff. I guess Twin Peaks, but Twin Peaks isn't very realistic. But if you want that, if you like that, like, weird, just, like, yeah. psychological kind of, like, dream logic stuff that The Sopranos is great at, like, that's probably good. Yeah, of I'm just watching that now, so maybe that's all I'm thinking about. I don't well, know. But the, th- the thing <laughs> but, about Twin Peaks is that it's incredible, but, like, the way that it, the, and this is controversial, but the way in which I feel it differs from Sopranos, among other things, is that it's impossible to watch. <laughs> it's know? tough, yeah. Sopranos is, like insanely watchable like well, yeah then you like, can jump in in the middle of anything and be like cool yeah that's the thing is like for all it's like weirdness it's still good at just like purely addictive storytelling you know like binge watching before binge watching like you want it to see next week as soon as an episode of sopranos ended yep exactly um which doesn't really happen so much anymore like now it's all like oh it's a 10-hour movie you know like episode five right. doesn't matter the whole thing matters but the sopranos still nailed like the episode yep, yep and yep. still made you want to come back the next week and watch more it's just I don't know, it's tough. It's tough to tough to match it. Yeah. Um, also, like clearly, we like it. <laughs> so maybe yeah. we're the wrong people to ask. Once we watch it, I think we're going to really like it a lot. Yeah. You, you know what's amazing? Groundbreaking television, and it's not. It's you know, it's not drama or nonfiction. Is Chef's Table. Chef's Table is True. one of the like most well shot, well put together television yep. shows I think I've ever seen. The music and the editing is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And Agreed. it's on, and it's on Netflix, and they really managed to like they managed to kind of nail like culture through this through this food lens and i don't yeah. and, I, and i'm not talking about diners drive-ins and dives although that's another one that's way up there for, for me but like <laughs> yeah but like there there's a lot of really high quality television now but i think that like and i don't want to die saying this but i think that like <sighs> you know the fact that it was so difficult to make a show like sopranos and so difficult to push it through congress and like get it made mm-hmm. like added to it because they really they they worked their asses off with it, you know. Yeah. Nowadays, I see a lot of shows that have a ton of potential, but don't like quite like take you there in mm-hmm. the same way. You know, it's like like they're they're following they're taking the cue from Sopranos, but not. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't just, know. They don't do it the same these they days. Don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, HBO like early two thousands. HBO was like the wild west of TV, where they really let people get away with a lot of weird shit. That like yep. even now, like in this like quote unquote prestige television age, which I actually think is ending, uh, and I think movies are becoming more interesting than TV because like 
every TV show is trying to be The Sopranos, basically. Well, yeah. Um, but um, I'm just not interested in anything Marvel oriented. So me I haven't neither. Been to movies but in like, like three years, there were interesting things that came out this year. Like Blade Runner and Mother were really cool, and and I haven't seen it yet. But The Shape of Water I hear is just amazing. And oh my god, and, uh, we got to mention Guillermo del Toro. Maybe oh, we UFO should thing. maybe we should post it. But like Guillermo del Toro, who d- directed The Shape of Water. He he tweeted. He said in some interview that, like, he was like, "I saw a UFO once, and it was." It, then he says it was terribly designed. Then <laughs> like, I could have done a way better job. And I just think that's like the ultimate artistic arrogance. That's great, is yeah. that to see something like that incredible, and then like, if you truly think it was a UFO, yeah. or like a flying saw, like an alien ship, and you're like. Yeah. their sense of design like look at this yeah. look, this bullshit there's <laughs> Helvetica on the side I mean yeah. come on <laughs> so basic um, uh, our last question we, we got two questions like this this week but like we've and I feel like we've gotten this before but asking what Sopranos would look like today or if it could work today if it came out and I feel like I, I'm confused about this question actually because I feel like it would work at any time and like there's this weird idea that like not to get like crazy political here or whatever but people like to talk about how we're so pc now but like i remember the 1990s and the early 2000s and people were pretty pc back then too and like i yeah uh, this well, idea that like the sopranos could never come out today is just ridiculous to me i mean no well first of all like shows are way raunchier now yeah but also like i remember south park coming out and like my dad got me like a south park t-shirt and i like wasn't allowed to wear it to school because it was south park and they said like farts and poop you know and it was like yeah and that was 1998 and it was like oh no no this we can't you know and people act like now we're so buttoned up but it's the same shit i mean i don't think that i mean i don't know if that question directly refers to that but i'm with you i think that like i think the whole like idea of pc I think that I think that the thing that people misunderstand about like the idea of us being more PC now, and I think that's a loaded term. So it is, yeah. So maybe maybe the word that we should use is inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the I think that the thing that people get wrong about this inclusivity that people have now is that a like white people don't run the world in the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, or don't run culture in the same way that they did. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, everyone's pretty much admitted that like rap dictates the music world and like Absolutely, a huge yeah. amount of fashion and stuff like that. And like it, th- that's above board as opposed to like implied or just ripped off, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Um, it's also a thing where like this inclusivity, it doesn't mean that we're not saying stuff. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that, t- uh, that Sill isn't beating up that stripper. It, mm-hmm. it means that, people are sort of seeing that in a new light where it's like, it would be viewed a little bit less as shenanigans mm. and more as like kind of a big thing. Like Mad Men did that a lot. They really took on the idea of race and sexism in a time in this country that was just a fucking disaster in those, in those arenas, you yeah, know? Totally, totally. And they, and so I, I feel like people get confused when they say PC because they think that we mean silencing people, but it actually just means like, putting proper weight on what's going on. Yeah. And there's also a select part of the population that thinks being PC means that they're, they're against being PC because they want it to be an excuse to just continue living in a white bubble and, you know, not, and sort of ignoring the idea that like white men in this country are like absurdly advantaged. Yeah. Well, I, I just always want to ask, like, well, what what non PC thing do you want to say or see on TV? And then it's kind of yeah. like, hmm, yeah. And, and, and I bet I you it's know. there. But yeah. The, but the trend in my mind is moving toward like we're showing these things for what they are, but 
it's like actually telling the story in a way that's like a not jokey and b not taking it so lightly. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like in like Mad Men's a great example of this. In Mad Men, spoiler alert, someone's going to win bingo. Um, like Joan <laughs> Joan gets married and then her husband rapes her. Right. And I had never like. I did. I wasn't like privy to that as a concept. It never even crossed my mind, mm. you know. But I was watching it with someone who was like, "Oh, that's like a big problem," and like people kind of act like it's not a thing because they're married, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Which goes back to this whole idea of marriage and like women as property and like this like Homo sapien type right. like thought about it. But like that's like some scary shit, mm-hmm. and like they they went for it, you know. And I think that we have a lot more of it at this point where a lot more things at this point where things are more out in the open, but also viewed for like what they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And there's also a difference between commenting on something and condoning something, I guess. You it, know? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So ultimately I think, yes, no matter what or when the Sopranos came out, it would have been accepted. I think because I that it wasn't, be, it was, there was never anything like, like that holding it back necessarily. You no, know? And I, I find it to be really timeless in a lot of ways. Me I, too, like yeah. you take the cell phones out of it and AJ's like websites, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, right. like, it's a little bit timeless. I mean, they haven't really redesigned the escalates since, no, no. since Tony had it. It still kind of looks the same. Yeah. You know, it, we're, it we're feels still new. listening to men in black. Yeah. It's just on iTunes now. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and scout. Yeah. Uh, all right. So anyway, um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up there and yep. we'll come back next week and, uh, talk about the fleshy part of the thigh and also oh, the episode. It. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, we, we have Treach <laughs> next week, right? Um, From naughty by nature. Fuck yeah. So, yeah. uh, we'll be back and, uh, and happy new year guys. Yeah. Um, happy new year. Yeah. And, and we know no one's working on new year's day, so you know, enjoy. enjoy your time yeah. off and watch some Sopranos and yep. let's get a jump on 2018 together. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I'm there. I'm there, baby. All right, guys. Uh, follow us on iTunes at no fucking ZD. Subscribe on I- uh, Follow us on Twitter. You, rather. Can't, you can't follow on iTunes, but Apple, you should do that. Yeah. Change um, it for us. Yes. Yeah, subscribe on iTunes. Follow on Twitter at no fucking ZD. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud and uh, and tweet at us sometimes if you have questions, whatever they're about, it doesn't matter. And if you need more inspiration, the entire last season, we came up with lots of ideas that you can do to help us promote. Yeah, and <laughs> that's uh, true, you can actually, go back yeah. and check those out. But also, you know what I found out from Preet Bharara is that like if you want to if you want to write us a review, if you do like the show, mm-hmm. if you want to go on on iTunes and or the podcast app or whatever and write a review. Uh, we love the ones that are high in the stars, but low in yeah. the actual, <laughs> in, the, in, the com- in the comments section. Yeah. Give us a five star bad review. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we want. But that does actually help, help. more yeah. people hear the podcast. Yes. Um, and, uh, we promise to continue working hard. Are we, wor- I don't know. We're, I don't working, know. we're working smart, the, not hard. The, exactly. The interns work hard. Yeah. We don't. Our intern who is, uh, in his, he's a geriatric, geriatric intern as we, <laughs> as we, uh, announced this season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real old guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Happy New Year, guys. This is No Fuckazini. Signing off. Bye. Bye. Bye.